Ooh, welcome. Step right in. Take a look around. I promise that no matter who you are, we've got something here for you. Think of any creature, any companion, any friend. We've got it. It's our business to provide to you our value customer. Anything that you could possibly think of. Anything at all. So, think real hard. Because we've got all that and more here at Zack and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop. Hey Griffin, if you if you were making sounds, I couldn't hear. Oh yeah, I was doing the spooky haunted organ intro. The oh, what? Uh, what's... And then you just said, "Hey Griffin," like it wasn't scary. Oh, uh, it's because I couldn't hear. I just saw you making. Yeah. I just saw you making this face. Yeah. And um and so yeah I was yeah um what's the Luigi man Luigi's mansion? <laughs> <laughs> Mario. <laughs> Mario. Uh, Mario. Oh, man. Hey, Griff. Hi, Zach. How you doing, bud? I'm pretty good. That's, that's good. You know what? We, yeah. we I, like, we, like, you know, I know we did, like, a little bit of a bit there. But, like, you know, after, like, we had a really good episode last time. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know what? Let's just have a nice, chill opening bit. See how, see how you're doing. I'm, sus- I'm you, suspicious. No, just, you've been busy. I've been busy. I just wanted to see how you were doing, man. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I'm doing good. Good. Um, Let's go look at an apartment today. Yeah, it's a daycare um, center. <laughs> it was a daycare center. <laughs> Very important was. No, but you get the the, the weird uh, ability to be like, hey, where do you live, Griff? Oh, I live in a daycare center. Yeah. I mean, it's a super weird building, but like, I kind of like it. I like a weird building. You kind of, yeah, no, yeah. You, you like a weird, you know, ex daycare center. You loved your old beam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I was like, literally like, ooh, great. There's other stuff for people to comment on that I feel neutrally about. Yeah. Hey Griff, I like yeah. the the fun sliding office window you have there. You, uh, you said that you've got the the daycare yes. center's got like the the little like sliding divider thing. Yes, and like it has the kind of like tall rectangular windows that are like three along. Yeah, like it gave me more like dentist office vibes mm-hmm. than it did daycare vibes. Well, so maybe it was a dentist office before that. Yeah, like that wouldn't surprise me. I've seen daycare yeah. centers made out of like an old Walgreens before, so like who knows. <laughs> So hey yeah. hey Griff, before we get into this episode, I have a rendition of everyone's favorite segment, which is do 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 pet news. Pet news. Are you ready for this? Uh, I, 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 like, if you've been on TikTok, you may have very much have heard this already, and it is mm-hmm. the crane who fell in love with a human. Wait, what? The unlikely courtship. I thought this was going to be about noodle. No, but nah, no. Uh. It is worth mentioning out there, we are recording this podcast on a Bones Day. So it, I'm it is, in fact, one. a Bones Day. Thanks, Noodle. Early one summer morning, as rain is misting the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, a middle-aged man is courting a crane. Chris what Crow, the fuck? <laughs> Chris Crow, 42, bends forward in a slight bow and then flaps his arms slowly, like wings. Hey, girl, no. what you think, Kikus? No. Um, so I'm gonna break this down because I, I remember no. a bit of the um thing just by like like watching a video about it as well. Okay. So this crow, whose name is Walnut, I believe. You mean crane? Sorry, the crane. Yeah, the crane. Okay. Her, her name is Walnut, I do believe. God 
Damn it. Is this a wild crane? Um, I mean, it's like, you know, it, it's a like a rare crane that's, you know, at uh-huh. the moment is like on like a, 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 a like reserve. Okay. So this crane, um, it, 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 I don't remember what it was, but like it imprinted on people very early without the presence of other cranes. So it. Okay. So when introduced to males, like, in, you know, for the process of breeding. It views them as something different than it than herself. Oh, so she got hostile very quickly to other cranes, to other male cranes, and then the uh, idea of the process of like inseminating her to just to, yes. to breed more of these cranes because they're endangered. If she had someone to like, you know, essentially like yes. have like a mating bond with. It, yes. They could keep her calm so that they could. This it, is wild. So there's a man named Chris Crow who this this crow this uh, crane views as her mate. Oh no! And so just has a weird and so just has a weird. So like he's what there to get her horny so that she can be properly. No, it, it, it's there to keep her calm. You know, like focus okay. on something else so that they can inseminate this crow. It's very, okay, it's, I was mostly right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he's, a, he's a bird keeper with the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute. Well, damn. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this guy um, is has to is married to a crow probably for a few for quite a while until this crow passes away. Not this crow, this crane passes away. So sorry, the man's na- last name is Crow, and now I keep saying yeah. Crow. It's real complicated. It's very complicated. But a man named Crow is is, is is oddly wed to a crane. Jesus Christ! It's very strange. My guy Chris Crow out here doing doing God's work. Yes, <laughs> making sure that good old Walnut can have some progeny. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and, and well, the thing is, they're also afraid that like if they you know. Even if they manage to get her to like breed like naturally, that since she doesn't view like you know the cranes will be born, but oh. she's not going to view her offspring as the same as her, so she might act hostile towards her own offspring. Fucking lord! So even if she lays eggs, they gotta like take the eggs and like get the g- eggs and, out and of there. gift them to other cranes to raise. It's a weird situation. <laughs> Hey, hey, Chris, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while, man. How's it going? What have uh, you been up to? I got married. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's that's super cool, man. Yeah, she's yeah, a crane. Um, <laughs> come again? <laughs> come again? Yeah, it's complicated. It's like, okay, are you thinking about kids? It's like, yeah, that, that's a that's a hairy situation. Like it's kind of a kind of a reverse adoption yeah, thing we got going on. I, I am going to uh drop this uh article in the chat in case you're curious. It's it's, I'll, um, it's pretty buckwild. There's a video about it too. If you scroll down a ways, they've got just like a, a quick. Like I'll a, be sure to post this. Hey, editor Griffin, stop what you're doing. Copy the link that Zach sent you and get it ready to be on Twitter. Yeah, uh, if you have, if you out. haven't heard this yet, folks, like fucking look it up. It's <laughs> it's absolutely ludicrous. That is wild. Yes. That that was a that was a great little rendition there, Zach, of a bono bo bo do 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 pet news. Pet news. 
Oh, goodness. Well, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Zach and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop. I, of course, am Griffin. And I am Zach. And yeah, like I said, we're going to switch things completely because as we all know, today uh, of this launching is October uh, 20th. Yes. Which means in just 11th day, it is the spookiest day of the year. It's spooky season. Which is, of course, the Halloweens. And since our next episode won't come out until, what, the 3rd of November... We mm-hmm. figured we'd get our Halloween-iness out of here uh, a little early. Yeah. But anyway, shall we dive into our episode? Yeah. Uh, in honor of the spookiest of the seasons, we've decided to do a little bit of a seminar. Yeah. You see, on, we yeah. had the unfortunate um, fate to fail this course when we took it. Um, mm-hmm. However, you know, we've got we got like our fantasy GED on, on the subject yeah. and the system was rigged against. Us. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're the victims here. Um, and <laughs> and so we're I'm gonna, not correcting you. And so we're going to teach this uh, for you today because we can do it better. From this point forward until the end of this episode, I shall no longer address you all, the collective audience, as listeners. I shall now address you as students. What about cla- Welcome to Necromancy 101. What about class? Ex- also acceptable. All right, class, let's do this. Welcome to Necromancy 101. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Let's- so you can make your own skeletons and your own undeads for your Halloween yeah. joy and spookiness time. Thank you. Professor Rob, Tuttle Rob, would you like to take the first uh, foray here? Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm pretty sure I just heard Marisha Ray say skeleton. Probably. Yeah, they had the pronunciations, and for some reason I felt the need to figure out how to pronounce skeleton. Anyway, <laughs> we're talking about skeletons. So, uh, I mean, like, everyone's got one. You know what a skeleton looks like. Sometimes they've got decrepit armor and stuff sticking out of them, but, like, for the most part, you get you know, you, you know, you know what it is. Just saying, not everything has a skeleton, Zach. I mean, like, I, I, like, uh, okay, okay, you're right. Does a slug have a skeleton? No. Does an ooze have a skeleton? No. Well, it depends. If it's eating someone and now there's just a skeleton in it, then yeah. All right. Point. Point. Anyway, skeletons arise when animated by dark magic. Ooh. Oh, sure. Do I need to do the spooky voice for this one? You don't have to. Okay, it's fine. They heed the summons of spellcasters who call them from their stony tombs and ancient battlefields, or rise of their own accord in places saturated with death and loss, awakened by stirrings of necromantic energy or the presence of corrupting evil. You went a little spooky anyway. But I didn't do my spooky voice. Okay. Yeah, you remember when we did the when we did the Cthulhu oh, one, yeah. and uh, and I did the spooky voice. This is just like a spooky reading. Yeah, there we go. So, animated dead. Whatever sinister force awakens a skeleton infuses its bones with a dark vitality, adhering joint to joint and reassembling dismantled limbs. This energy motivates a skeleton to move and think in a rudimentary fashion, though only as a pale imitation of the way it behaved in life. An animated skeleton retains no connection to its past, although resurrecting a skeleton restores its body and soul, banishing the hateful undead spirit that empowers it. Ah, neat. Yeah. I want to do that in a D&D game now. I want to find an I want to find a CR 1/4 skeleton and cast a 7th level resurrection spell on it and see what happens. 
see who the fuck comes back yeah skin you applies to the you know muscle sinew all that you know it sort of builds up and it's like oh hey thanks my name's joe (laughs) how you doing (laughs) i i appreciate it Whoa, the kind of, the the days I have had. You would not even know. (laughs) While most skeletons are the animated remains of dead humans or other humanoids, skeletal undead can be created from the bones of other creatures besides humanoids, giving rise to a host of terrifying and unique forms. You know, you ever go to Spirit of the Halloween and um and see like the weird they it's like a spider skeleton. No. Yeah, it's weird because it's like spiders don't have no bones. <laughs> they have something in there. Well, no, they have an exoskeleton. Uh, oh, the skeleton's on the outside. Well, it, 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 I mean, yeah. The bones are on the outside. <laughs> Obedient Exo servants. Bones. Skeletons raised by spell are bound to the will of their creator. They follow orders to the letter, never questioning the tasks their masters give them, regardless of the consequences. Because of their literal interpretation of commands and unwavering obedience, skeletons adapt poorly to changing circumstances. (laughs) They can't read, speak, emote, or communicate in any way except to nod, shake their heads, or point. Still, skeletons are able to accomplish a variety of relatively complex tasks. Nice. nice. A skeleton can fight with weapons and wear armor, can load and fire a catapult or trebuchet. Oh, shit. Scale a siege ladder, form a shield wall, or dump boiling oil. However, it must receive careful instructions remaining how such, uh, uh, explaining how such tasks are accomplished. Although they lack the intellect to pos- uh, uh, they possessed in life, skeletons aren't mindless. Rather than break its limbs attempting to batter its way through an iron door, a skeleton tries to ha- uh, tries the handle first. If that doesn't work, <laughs> it searches for another way through or around the obstacle. <clears throat> so they're not smart, but they're not stupid either. Yeah, habitual behaviors. Oh, cool, Independent cool. skeletons temporarily or permanently free of a master's control. Uh, sometimes pantomime actions from their past lives. Their bones echoing the rote behaviors of their formal living selves. The skeleton uh, of a miner might lift a uh, pick and start chipping away at a stone wall. The a, the skeleton of a guard might strike up a post at a random doorway. <laughs> the skeleton of a dragon might lie down on a pile of treasure while the skeleton of a horse cr- uh, crops grass it can't eat. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> Let alone in a uh, left alone in a ballroom, the skeletons of nobles might continue an eternally unfinished dance. Ooh, yeah. that's appropriately spooky. When skeletons encounter living creatures, the necromantic energy that drives them compels them to kill unless they are commanded by their masters to refrain from doing so. Oh, God. They attack without mercy and fight until destroyed, for skeletons possess little sense of self and even less sense of self-preservation. That is that little thing in there of the skeletons of nobles yeah that's like that's really good like haunts house on the hill oh yeah uh a uh, fodder of just like you pop into the room the like record player comes to life and like two skeletons are just dancing yeah it's like in um the shining when there's like when he's in the ballroom and all the ghosts mm-hmm. are there yeah 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 but then also that's that good shit we've got the uh, uh, uh the skeletal juggernaut yeah so this is a big one as seen think, lumbering across yeah. the beaches uh, in Isle of the Abbey, a skeletal juggernaut is an oversized bipedal assembly of bones that loses a proportion of its mass with each step. These skeletal guardians hold together for only a short time before disassembling into a <laughs> gang of individual undead. 
So is this just a gigantic pile of bones, or is this 12 skeletons who have grabbed onto each other in such a way that they've formed a Voltron? I choose to believe that this is a, this is a skeleton uh, megazord, yeah. Yeah. Did I, say, did, I do the wrong, did I do the wrong big robot again? No, no Voltron is, is just a different ah. big robot. Yeah, so, so you know, Power Rangers, they got their zords, they turned to a megazord, but then Voltron, it's all the big, the, like, the individual, like, cat. Like big, like tiger, right. like lion, whatever. Right, right, right. Uh, mechs, and then they they okay. form together to make Voltron. Okay. So you weren't wrong. Just you know, different spices of the same thing. I was worried that I got my big anime robots wrong no, again. Now you're good, bud. Now, now if you said Zoids, that's a different thing. Oh no, I know all about Zoids, dude. Fucking Zoids, am I right? Liger Zero was my guy. Oh, there you are. Uh, awesome. So yeah, these things, um, a juggernaut, uh, once it's reduced to zero hit points, t- uh, turns into st- uh, 12 skeletons. <laughs> That's such a good dick move. No, it's very good. As a DM. You finally beat it and then, surprise, you're overwhelmed with skeletons now. <laughs> uh, and then they have a thing called falling apart. If the juggernaut does not have all of its hit points at the start of its turn, it loses 10 hit points. <laughs> Great. Oh my god. <laughs> So it has reverse regeneration. Yes, yes, it does. Uh, they make two claw attacks. Ooh, it's pretty good. Plus six to hit, and it's two d eight plus three slashing. Uh, and then they've got a thing. It's called avalanche of bones. Yeah, the juggernaut collapses into a large heap before quickly reforming. <laughs> it just wait, 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 wait. It just ragdolls. Yeah, it's just, it's just like uh, uh, uh it's just. And falls over, and then a it, xylophone, and then plays. like a, yeah, a xylophone plays, and then like a fucking tidal wave, it zips back up. It's like um, do you ever have uh those toys that it was like the um, it was like a, a like a little wood thing that has like string in it, and if you press the button, it all falls apart, but if you let go, it like tenses back up. I think I know what you're talking about. I just never had one. Yeah, I think I know what you're it's talking like about. Kind of like that. Take a look. Uh, let's see. Each creature within 10 feet of the Juggernaut must make a DC 14 a dex save, taking 18 or 4d8 bludgeoning damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. A creature that fails the saving throw is knocked prone. So yeah, it's just a bunch of skeletons. Like, they can do shit, you know? So for your first lessons... In I Necromancy think, yeah, 101. Animating, I think animating skeletons is a great place to start. And then, like, once you feel really confident with skeletons, you can, like... You know, work. You know, talk to your skeletons. Tell them about the the benefits of unionization, and get them to unionize into a juggernaut. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're stronger together. We're stronger together, folks. <laughs> it's important to instill good morals, good professional work ethics into your undead creations. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, you know. But then I'll yeah yeah get that creativity. You know. Make it mm-hmm. your own. Like, Have some art lessons with your skeletons. Yeah, if you want to put like a big wig on your skeleton, fucking go for it. If they want to dress up for Halloween, like it's their holiday practically. Like, yeah, we're just living in it. Yeah. If they want to get the you know the whole sugar skull treatment, fucking give it to them. Oh hell yeah, let them do their thing. Yeah, you know, like it's a it's about them as much as it's about you. So just like yeah. be caring. Because where would you, the humble necromancer, be without a big pile of bones to reanimate? Look, a necromancer without stuff to bring up is just like a fucking dude. Like it's just a you're just a mortician. Yeah, you're yeah you're just a yeah. I don't I don't have anything I don't have anything else to say on that front. You're just a grave digger (laughs) or a grave robber. 
Robbie Graves. Anyway. I have uh, one last skeletal, uh, skeleton-related thing to share with you. Okay. And that is um, on Sunday, October 31st, uh, the year of our Lord Christ Jesus, um, <laughs> on Halloween. I didn't realize um, he was our Lord. Yeah, he's the Skeleton King. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> um, me and my coworkers will all be dressing up as skeletons at the Institute. The Institute. Um, in a in a team known as Bones Jones and the Spooky Boys. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm uh, Bones Malone. Oh, that's pretty good. And then we have Bones Capone and Bones Calzone. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next thing. Okay, you got your skeletons. Good. Next lesson. Uh, we're going to talk about the other sort of bread and butter component of every necromancer's pantry. Uh, that's the zombie. The, the the simple zombie. Yeah, I would say that these guys um have a little more substance to them. <laughs> uh, yeah, zombies. Uh, zombies. They're undead, but with flesh. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, you know what? Let's read in. See what's going yeah. on. From somewhere in the darkness, a gurgling moan is heard. A form lurches into view, dragging one foot as it raises bloated arms and broken hands. The zombie advances, driven to kill anyone too slow to escape its grasp. And you gotta be pretty slow to fall into that category. That's fair. They're zombies. There's not much to say about them. They're, you know, they're reanimated corpses, just without, without all their bones showing this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, sinister necromantic energies infuses the remains of the dead, causing them to rise as zombies that do their creator's bidding without fear or hesitation. They move with a jerky, uneven gait, clad in the moldering apparel they wore when put to rest, and carrying the stench of decay. Most zombies are made from humanoid remains, though the flesh and bones of any formerly living creature can be imbued with a semblance of life. Necromantic magics, usually from spells, animates a zombie. Some zombies rise spontaneously when dark magic saturates an area. Once turned into a zombie, a creature can't be restored to life except by powerful magic, such as a resurrection spell. So the same thing with the skeleton. Yeah. Yeah. A zombie retains no vestiges of its former self, its mind devoid of thought and imagination. A zombie left without orders simply stands in place and rots unless something comes along that it can kill. The magic animating a zombie imbues it with evil, so left without purpose, it attacks any creatures, uh, any living creature it encounters. So, different from skeletons. You okay, bud? Yeah, I was just practicing my zombie sounds. Oh, like in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. You gotta watch that movie. It's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. They have hideous forms, in case you didn't already know that. Uh, well, I, mm, uh, yeah, why don't you explain that to me a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> well, Zach, zombies appear as they did in life, showing the wounds that killed them. However, the magic that creates these vile creatures often takes the time to run its often takes time to run its course. You see, mm-hmm. yes, dead warriors might arise from a battlefield, eviscerated and bloated after days in the sun. Gross. The muddy cadaver of a peasant could claw its way from the ground, riddled with maggots and worms. Gross. A zombie might wash ashore or rise from a marsh, swollen and reeking after weeks in the water. Gross. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. In this way, I think skeletons are preferable. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, zombies take the most direct routes to any foe, unable to comprehend obstacles, tactics, or dangerous terrain. A zombie might stumble into a fast-flowing river to reach foes on a far shore. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> uh, clawing at the surface as it's battered against the rocks and destroyed. Uh, to reach a foe below it, a zombie might step out an open window. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> Uh, zombies stumble through roaring infernos into pools of acid and across fields littered with caltrops without hesitation. Uh, there's some good slapstick shit in that. Yeah, definitely. A zombie can follow simple orders and distinguish friends from foes, but its ability to reason is limited to shambling in whatever direction it is pointed, pummeling any enemies in its path. A zombie armed with a weapon uses it, but the zombie won't retrieve a dropped weapon or other tool unless told to do so. Here's a question. Yeah. So, you know, like it says there that like the zombie will just kind of stand there and rot, like if it doesn't have anything to do. If a zombie lives long enough, when doesn't it just become a skeleton? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Like when when all of its bits fall off of it and it's just a skeleton. Does it get smarter because skeletons are smarter than zombies? I don't know. Or is it about the magic that creates them? I'm not sure. What can what came first, the the bones or the spell? <laughs> uh, probably. Look, spell. you asked this. No, question. I did. I'm just. I just don't have an answer for it. Well, I'll say this, and I feel like in almost all ways, skeletons are superior to zombies. Yeah. The major benefit that zombies have is they have this thing called undead fortitude. Where if damage reduces a zombie to zero hit points, it must make a constitution save uh, with the DC of five plus the damage taken, unless the damage is radiant or from a critical hit. Um, if it succeeds, the zombie drops to one hit point instead. So, like, zombies are just more durable than skeletons. Aren't but I think skeletons, overall... like, vulnerable to bludgeoning damage, though? Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah, so I think overall skeletons are, are like... I think they're smarter and they're, you know, they're faster and more capable, but zombies are like tougher. They're the tanks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Necromancy can also do weird shit to, you know, anything like the excellent stat block here for a beholder zombie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just a big yucky beholder that I mean, like, aside from being a zombie is just like you're everyday average beholder like it's got the eye rays and it it bites you and it can't talk because it's stupid like a zombie but it's got it's got that undead fortitude still all that good stuff but it's just uh it's ickier looking it is a lot ickier looking um yeah eyes real milky mm-hmm. yeah probably. if if you were if you were going to be taking necromancy 101 again what sort of what sort of zombie would you reanimate for your final project oh um i think a I, I really like Bahirs, so like a zombie Bahir mm, would be really cool, or like a or like a awful. skeletal Bahir. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Right. Would it be too icky to do like a skeletal Griffin? No. Is that too like? Is that too existential? No. For me. <laughs> well, because like it could be like a nice thing where it's like you know you ever seen Corpse Bride. Yeah. Like, what if, like, you know, like, a rider and his griffin, like, go down in battle, but now mm. they, they fly through the, the, the skies on skeletal wings? Nice. It'd be like a Batman in sort the, of situation. In the after... In the after... Why is Batman... 
Why? I don't know. Uh, just, uh, just uh, nighttime bat- vigilantes. I was going to say, when does Batman have skeletal wings? I just, I was just kind of, you know, heroes in the night doing good stuff. Oh, Batman! <laughs> but riding a thing made of bones. Yes. Or zombies. I would do like um, like a crocodile. Oh, yeah. That'd be nasty. Yeah. Because like it would be like the, the natural like stink of it could be hid like in the swamp. It's mm-hmm. so, like you wouldn't see it coming. Yeah. And then like you're just dead. Yeah, that's fair. And like it doesn't need to breathe. It's a zombie. Yeah. So it can just like death roll forever mm-hmm. until all of its skin falls off. And then it's a skeleton crocodile. Yeah. 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 And you got two for one right there. There you go. Mm-hmm. This is just spin cycle its own <laughs> its own meat off. So fresh, so clean. <laughs> oh no. Uh, beautiful. Yeah, no, uh uh God, all these eyes. Uh, is that that's all the same rays that are on a normal beholder, yeah? I think so. Let me find out. Okay. Oh no, the big beholder's got more rays. Got more rays. This one, this one that that's got ten rays. This one only has six. I'm only seeing four. Oh, it's only got four. Yeah, you're right. You know, some of the eyes fall off, and like the stalks are all decayed. Yeah, and I, you know, I can't lift the one anymore. Yeah. It's so when so when reanimating your zombies, you got to be like, you always got to make sure they have something to do. Like they always got to have a task. I would I would recommend maybe keeping like a log book. Like set out a very a very simple schedule for your zombies. Oh, you know what? Be uh, having some zombies would be good with mm. if you were an apiarist. Okay, I believe that's a beekeeper. Like they're not gonna worry about getting I think, stung. I think you're <laughs> talking about zombie beekeepers. Yeah, zombie beekeepers. You know, if you got some zombie beekeepers, and there's I feel a, like they go out, they'll tend to your hives. Zombies might lack the dexterity. All right, to, well, like, skeletons might be able to. Skeletons, yeah. All right, cool. Then use the skeletons. Zombies you could do for, like, deep sea salvage. You think so? I don't know. That's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, you just, have send to... them, just send them into places where, like, no one else wants to go. That's fair. Um, yeah. Like, uh, you know, tending, like, the dump. They're zombies. Car, they don't do car much. Car mechanics. I don't, I don't know. That's that. if, if they can't keep bees, they can't fix a, fix a motor, man. They could be like good assistants. They could like lift the cars. Yeah, you know, hold the hold the hold the socket wrench. Do uh do like in like referencing Shaun of the Dead earlier. Keep one just nearby as like a friend. Yeah, you know, out in the garage to play video games yeah. with. I think my sister just got home because Milo's suddenly very excited. Oh, Milo! Fuck yeah, zombies! <laughs> yeah, so I think we got our basics covered. Cool. I, uh, I, obviously our sponsor today, right, is going to be Spirituality, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. The number one second chance employment tea house for the undead, undead owned and operated. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Let's, let's, let's hear from them right now. Why don't we hear from them? Yeah. Are you looking for work in a calm, relaxing environment? Do you have a fondness for artisanal teas and comfort? Do you consider yourself undead? Well, Spirituality would like you to join our family. 
Spirituality, a second-chance employment tea house for the undead, is a place for those having difficulty adjusting to their new sense of unlife. We understand that dying is hard, and readjusting after the fact can be even harder. Employment at spirituality is a way for those troubled souls and shambling bodies to begin reintegrating into a living society. Spirituality is 100% undead owned and operated. A majority of our tea leaves are locally sourced from graveyards, cemeteries, and small businesses, and the blends are assembled in-house by expert sommeliers. Every cup, dish, pot, and platter is also made with love by the hands of the unliving. Don't have a corporeal form anymore? That's all right. We have a number of service and accounting positions that would benefit from your ghostly presence. We offer fair and competitive wages, but spirituality does not have a comprehensive benefits package because, let's face it, we don't need it anymore. Go to PetShopCast.com to see if there's a spirituality in your area. Come join the family of the unique up-and-coming tea house that Timeless Magazine calls a horrid and inviting place for brunch. Spirituality. No life, no worries. All right. I'm feeling relaxed after hearing that fantastic ad from Spirituality. I have some spirituality tea right here. Oh, is is it good? Yes, this is the uh, this is the macabre blend. Oh, it's a macabre black tea. Oh, sounds tasty. I don't like tea, but um, it's pretty earthy. It's got notes of soil. There's also a very good uh, Spectre Green that I'm a fan oh, of. Oh, that, 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 those are, just, hey, Griff, those are some good names, man. Hey, thanks. These All are real. Right. So, folks, up next, uh, <laughs> we got mummies. But wait a minute, Zach. I just watched the second mummy movie last night. Are, aren't mummies just zombies with <laughs> toilet paper on them? No. <laughs> Your intimidating look isn't going to read over podcast, my boy. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping the, the 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 brief bit of silence followed by stern no would would read at least similarly, but yeah, I don't think so. We'll see. So, mummies, you know what? It's a, it's like a body wrapped in in toilet paper. Yeah, raised, That's basically all it is. Yes, raised by dark funerary rituals, a mummy shambles from the shrouded stillness of a time-lost temple or tomb, having been awoken from its ne- uh, from its nest, is what I almost said. <laughs> having been awoken from its rest, it punishes transgressors with the power of its unholy curse. I would be remiss if we didn't take just a second to goof on mummy nests. Mummy nests, baby. Like, instead of, instead of a sarcophagus, just like a big pile of twigs. <laughs> Yes, uh, we must lay this pharaoh for its long sleep in the mummy nest. A nest made of all of the splintered remains of his finest cabinetry. As well as the hair of his loved ones. Gross. <laughs> well, you know how, like, magpies do that? Oh, yes, no, like, I'm there with you, but, like, still gross. <laughs> Preserved wrath. 
<coughs> the long burial rituals that accompany a mummy's entombment help protect its body from rot. In the embalming process, the newly dead creature's organs are removed and placed in special jars, and Ew. its corpse is, is treated with preserving oils, herbs, and wrappings. <laughs> After the body has been prepared, the corpse is typically wrapped in linen bandages. Why did you hit herbs so hard? I don't know. I just really wanted to. <laughs> the will of dark gods. An undead mummy is create <laughs> What? <laughs> Keep going. An undead mummy is created when the priest of a death god or other dark deity ritually imbues a prepared corpse with necromantic magic. The that mummies- could be you, students. <laughs> that could be you. The mummy's linen wrappings are inscribed with necromantic markings before the burial ritu- uh, ritual concludes with an invocation to darkness. As a mummy endures its undeath, it animates in response to conditions specified by the ritual. Most commonly, a transgression against its tomb, treasure, lands, or former loved ones will cause a mummy to rise. <sighs> Sick. Sick. The punished. Once deceased, an individual has no say in whether or not its body is made into a mummy. Some mummies were powerful individuals who displeased a high priest or pharaoh, or who committed crimes of treason, adultery, or murder. (sighs) You do okay? Yep. (laughs) As punishment, they were cursed with eternal undeath, embalmed, mummified, and sealed away. Other times, mummies acting as tomb guardians are created from slaves put to death specifically to serve a greater purpose. Now that's fucked up. We don't teach that in our class. No, yeah, no, get keep that shit out of here. Consensual mummies only. <laughs> Very good. Informed consent. There are waivers. There are documents. Yes. Be signed as part of your estate. They must be signed in triplicate and added into your last will and testament. If you wish to become a mummy. Dude, legal legal mummies though, like the instead of like a dark ritual, it's just in a contract somewhere. Yeah. So, look, some people want to be cremated. Some people want to be mummified. Yeah. There you go. And should the should the forces of evil transcend upon your loved ones, then you, only then will the bindings of the contract allow you to rise from your grave. And it's, protect them. Exactly. Look, there's just some there's just some red tape you gotta cut through. Yeah. Some undead red tape. That might be the undead red tape. I'm here for it. <laughs> Creature of ritual. A mummy obeys the conditions and parameters laid down by the ritual. Exactly. Red tape. For the rituals that created <laughs> it, driven only to punish transgressors. The overwhelming terror that foreshadows a mummy's attack can leave the intended victim paralyzed with fright. In the days following a mummy's touch, a victim's body rots from the outside in until nothing but dust remains. Fuck yeah! Ending a mummy's curse, rare magic can undo or dispel the ritual that gave rise to a mummy, allowing it to truly die. More commonly, a mummy can be sent back to its endless rest by undoing the transgression that caused it to rise. A sacred idol might be replaced on its uh, in its niche. A stolen treasure could be returned to its tomb, or a temple might be purified of dis- uh, of despoiling bloodshed. Hmm. More ephemeral or permanent offenses, such as revealing a secret the mummy wished kept, or killing an individual the mummy loved, can't be so easily remedied. In such cases, a mummy might slaughter all the creatures responsible and still not sate its wrath. 
I mean, hey, me too. Yeah, like, man. me too, mommy. I get it. Oh, man. Although they seldom do so, mummies can speak. As a result, oh. some serve as undead uh, uh, repositories of lost lore and can consult by the descendants of those who created them. Powerful individuals sometimes intentionally sequester mummies away for occasional consultation. Mommy librarian. Mommy librarian. That's actually very good. Yes. Uh, mummies are pretty cool. Block here. They're vulnerable to fire, but they're resistant to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Immune to necrotic and poison. Immune to charmed, uh, exhausted, frightened, paralyzed, poisoned. Ooh, immune to paralysis yeah. is rough. Uh, knows the languages it knew in life. It's got a multi-attack. It can use its dreadful glare and make one attack with its rotting fist. Uh, rot- yeah. Rotting fist uh, is plus 5 to hit, 2d6 plus 3 bludgeoning damage, plus 10 or 3d6 necrotic damage. If the target is a creature, it must succeed on a DC 12 constitution saving throw or be cursed with mummy rot. The cursed mm-hmm. target can't regain hit points, and its hit point Ooh. maximum decreases by 10 or 3d6 for every 24 hours oh. that he laps. If the curse reduces the target's hit point maximum to zero, the target dies and its body turns to dust. The curse that lasts fucking sucks. until removed by the remove curse spell or other magic. That fucking sucks. That, that fucking sucks. And it's got a dreadful glare. The mummy it, uh, targets one creature it can see within 60 feet. If the target can see the mummy, it's, uh, it must succeed on a DC 11 uh, wisdom save against this magic or become frightened until the end of the mummy's next turn. If the target fails the saving throw by five or more, it is also paralyzed for the same duration. Ugh. A target that succeeds on the saving throw is immune to the dreadful glare for, uh, of all mummies, but not mummy lords, for the next 24 hours. That's kind of rough. Yeah. It's a low DC, but that's kind of rough. Speaking of, quickly, we're going to pop through this Mummy Lord. That's, there's, there's a lot here on Mummy Lord. Yeah. So it's, we, may wanna, we may just want to skip yeah, this, Yeah, I'm just jumping through like the, the highlights, because it's got a lot of the same shit. Um, it's got a bunch of spells it can do. A lot of them, it's very much like the... the was it, I don't remember how many plagues of Egypt there were. Was it seven? Probably. From... From, I was raised Catholic. I should know this. Yeah, I should as well. But you know, whatever. I I always want to say I'm not, I was non-denominational, but I was just uh, a, like Methodist light. <laughs> I think it was ten. Ten plagues. I don't fucking remember. Uh, but yeah, mummy lords are bad news, folks. Check them out. Um, and let's go back, let's yeah, go back to regular mummy. Yeah, the, the mummy lords. Like if you're like you know looking for like a master's thesis, like. Yeah, Mummy Lord. That's what you should go for, like, friends. You gotta, you gotta start somewhere. Exactly. Though. This is good. Like you've got your zombies down. Let's make something with a little more oomph. Yeah, a little more intent. Definitely. It's like, um, it's like doing like contingency kind of work. You know. I do, I don't. Yeah, you know, like when this thing happens, then the mummy comes gotcha, out. Gotcha, like, gotcha, prepare. gotcha. It, it helps you kind of prepare and, like, think about uh, in what situations do I really need a mummy? And, like, what situations would a mummy be useless to me? You know, if this becomes, like, a big thing, like, also, like, you know, those who maybe aren't, you know, doing the best in, like, the, the practice of necromancer, like, mummy laws, like, could be a lucrative field. So, <laughs> just a thought. Dude, necromantic lawyer? Yeah, there you go. I love this. Yes. Especially with, like, the, like, hyper-magic city setting I've been working on. Yeah. Where magic law is a very real and binding thing. Like, I'm going to use some of that shit in this setting. Mummy law. 
what bothers me a, a little bit, just as a storyteller in D&D in particular, is talking about ending a mummy's curse. It says rare magic can undo or dispel the ritual. Um, oh, I guess that's talking about killing the mummy. I was going to say, because remove curse is not necessarily a rare magic. Yeah, that's just in, in, in the curse of like your body turning to dust. Yeah, but that's like, just a third level spell. But like making the mummy like destroyed forever. That's the thing. Yeah, like, remove curse or dispel magic, like, in tandem with, like, ritual things that you have prepared and set up. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that That's that good shit. That's Cap- that Cap- second level of storytelling that I want. Capital G, capital S, good shit. Yes. I want that. I want... Yeah, I want more mummies in my life. Um, you could, um, go to a museum. I could. <laughs> I was trying to think of a snarky answer, but in reality, you could just go to a museum. I want to use these in like, um, like bog mummy kind of settings, because like I know mummies are normally coded in like Egyptian mythology yeah. and, and history, um, but like, you know, like people were mummified just in like peat bogs. Yeah, like that's fucked up. I mean, also like Draugr. They're kind of yeah. like Norse mummies. Uh, kind of, yeah. But yeah, just like a big, you know, body covered in earth and muck just shambling at you instead of being covered in bandages. Oh, hell yeah. They can still do the same effect. Like, that's totally, it's still fucking scary. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Mummies are, uh, mummies are a great place to, uh, I think, I think this is a good way of like, like developing like mastery. Like, yeah. This is the, kind of the first step. On that path, All right. I mean, yeah, no, you gotta, yeah. There's uh, some finesse involved. Yeah, that you know, you, it's more than just the basics. Exactly, exactly. Rad. Are, are we ready for our last one? Uh, I think so. Now, this one, gang, this is like this is your final test, okay? Because we're not making a zombie, and we're not making a skeleton. But we are making something that shares a lot of similarities to both of them. And that's this really, really yucky thing called a boneless. Yeah. And I'm not, talk- and I'm not talking about Noodle the Pug. No. This, no. This is worse. This is much worse. So this comes to us from Van Richten's or Dan Richter's. Dan Richards. Guide to Crow Balcony. To Crow Balcony, yeah. Um, this is a... Um, God, uh, skin pile. It is. Um, I mean, as its face. name would suggest, a yeah. It's just. It's just the skin. It's like a. It's like you take a zombie, and you peel. You peel. The, you shuck the zombie. Shuck the zombie. <laughs> you you shuck the zombie, and you throw the skeleton in the garbage, and you're left with this. Yes. Yeah. Um, Not all animate corpses shamble from their graves. Boneless are undead remains devoid of skeletons. Most rise from the bodies of those who've suffered brutal ends such as deliberate skinning or crushing. Deathless malice infuses what remains. Their husks flopping and slithering in pursuit of vengeance or at the whims of sinister masters. Oh, God, Zach, this is real icky. Yeah, it's bad. This is way ickier than I thought it would be. It's going to get worse. 
slipping through cracks and under doors. These stealthy undead seek to adorn living frames once more, wrapping themselves around their victims and wringing them to death in their full body grip. Zach, it's an undead Snuggie. Like, that's what this is. Oh, God. Boneless arise in a variety of forms. While the animate skins of specific creatures are the most common, foul spellcasters might create these horrors from scraps of failed experiments. Oh, this is a terrible phrase. Necromantic slurries. Heaps of discarded hair. Uh, I don't know what this word means. Abattoirs. Uh, please hold for Google. Uh, you got it right. Abattoir. It's a slaughterhouse. Oh. Basically. Um, heaps of discarded hair, abattoirs, or charnel concoctions. These origins don't affect the boneless uh, bonelesses statistics, but it lends its uh, lends it distinct forms. Whether through accident or depraved genius, some villains use one corpse to create two separate undead. Just like you, students. This is your final exam. There you go. Boneless might adorn the frames of other undead, like zombies or skeletons. The sight of a boneless peeling itself from its independently undead frame <laughs> haunts the nightmares of many seasoned monster hunters. Um, hey, Griff. Yeah, I'm but... gonna ruin you here. So you said an undead Snuggie. You can try. Yeah. It's not. Okay. It's an undead onesie. <laughs> It's a zombie onesie. It's a zombie onesie. So these things... Um, they're bad. Their physical <laughs> stats are nothing to sneeze at, honestly. Yeah. Uh, the resistance to bludgeoning and poison, immune to charm, exhaustion, frightened. Um, understands languages new in life but can't speak. Um, they have the tag here of compression. The boneless can move through any opening at least one inch wide without squeezing. It's like a squeeze. It can also... Yep. It could also squeeze to fit into a space that a tiny creature could fit in. Um, curiously, unlike most undead, uh, it does see it does not require sleep, but that's all it specifies. Meaning that it would need to eat stuff and breathe, eat and drink and breathe. Yeah, hmm. which is alarming. Where does it go? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly my thoughts, Zach. Uh, so I have a horrible idea. Okay. Fucked up ratatouille. Oh my god. <laughs> Go on. Where, where the boneless really wants to cook. So, so it just so it slaps just, on there like a snap bracelet? It, it just it slaps just... on there like a snap bracelet, which is a horrifying explanation. <laughs> and, uh, and helps some living wit cook. <laughs> its intelligence is only one but its wisdom is ten and some could argue that cooking is more of an art than a science it's like chef Gusteau says anyone can cook <laughs> uh, uh, the boneless makes two slam attacks if both attacks hit a larger, smaller creature, the creature is grappled, and the boneless can use its crushing embrace. Uh, nice. Crushing embrace. The boneless wraps its body around a larger, smaller creature, grappled by it. While the boneless is attached, the target is blinded and unable to breathe. 
The target must succeed on a DC 13 strength save at the start of each of the Boneless's turns, or take 1d4 plus 3 bludgeoning damage. If something moves the target, the Boneless moves with it. The Boneless can detach itself by spending 5 feet of movement. Excuse me, hiccups. A creature, including the target, can use its action to try and detach the Boneless and force it to move to the nearest unoccupied space, doing so with a successful DC 13 strength check. When the Boneless dies, it detaches from any creature it is attached to. So it's just it kind of yeah it, yeah it snaps on like a like a like a onesie or a snap bracelet yeah yeah it, it flops over you like a damp moldy towel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This thing is rich for metaphor. Yo, I hate this thing so bad. So this thing, this uh, this rules. Um, <laughs> no, it doesn't, Griff. Yeah. Do you know how I prefer my boneless Zach? Yeah. I know a lot of people like buffalo, but I prefer barbecue. Uh, nope. No thanks. You prefer? You prefer? Do you prefer in bone? I'm a I'm a I'm a traditional. I'm a traditional wing sort of guy. Oh right, those are about wings. That's right. Fuck you. This is a zombie. I know. Without bones. Oh, you hate it. So the next time we're having a no bones day, I don't know how well this bit will age, but it's relevant right now. So fuck it. Next time we're having a bone, no bones day. Just think it could be worse. It could be <laughs> worse. Well, I think that's about wraps it up for us today. Right? <laughs> you don't want to talk about these things. No, more? I don't. Oh, but there's so much opportunity. Here. I don't care. It's awful. Right. I just hear it. Like sitting there going <laughs> at me, and I don't like it. Just a bunch of like wet, slappy footsteps. Oh. Yeah. Um. So students, class, um, find one undead creature, make two things from it. One of it being this, and you get a passing grade, and you'll be able to go into the world with your multiversal necromancy degree. Yes, it's a it's a it's a cute little certificate. It's only like a half certificate. You know, like yeah. it's um, we don't, yeah, you know, we can't afford like the full piece of paper, so it's yeah. like a, we print two, um, on, we pr- print two on the paper, and then we, yeah, give one to you know another person. Yeah, and all the copies of the lectures can be found in the gift shop. Yeah, um, for five easy payments. Of yeah, yeah, on VHS and Laserdisc. Anyway. That's about it for today. Uh, <laughs> as per usual, check out all the other shows on the Ghost Light Media Network. We got we got a bunch of them, and they're all really great. Yeah. yeah, we have lots of content for you to consume, including exclusive content for every show on the network on our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Ghost Light Media. So, if you want to support the show beyond just listening and engaging with us on Twitter, you can always donate on Patreon to get access to our private Discord channel. Come talk. Exclusive content. Uh, all that good stuff. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, is there anything you'd like to see on the show? Well, just uh, shoot a tweet at us. Maybe slide into our DMs. Let us know what you're thinking. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll get right in there. We'll talk about it. It'll be great. It's our yeah. favorite thing. Yeah, It's true. But I think it's about it. I think it's about it. Um, well, class dismissed. I think. Yes. Um, all of this will be on, you know, the blackboard. Um, yeah, we're, that's right. I, we're, I, haven't, we're, I haven't been in school in so long. I have no jokes here. We're still on blackboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Is there a new shit? I don't know. They, they switched to canvas. 
Canvas. Fuck. <laughs> I knew it was. I knew I was wrong, but I couldn't remember what it was. Hey, hey you were you canvas. were right. You were right. Just you, know, you weren't up to date. Canvas. Anyway, uh, Vinzek. Fuck. I've been fucking Griffin, and just remember, folks, at the end of the goddamn day, it's all about fucking love, baby. <laughs> I hope you have a Bones Day. Hey, have a, a Bones Day. Thank you all for listening to episode 76 of Zach and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a review or telling a friend about us. You can find us as part of the Ghostlight Media Network over at ghostlightmedia.net or on Twitter at Pet Shop Cast. On our website, you can find links to our merch store and Patreon page, which helps support all of the Ghostlight Media shows and all of the amazing people who create them. Speaking of which, thank you to our patrons, Zan, Nate, and Atan for your continued support. We'd like to thank Nikki Does Puzzles for making our theme song. You can find her SoundCloud at Nikki Does Puzzles or at Nicole Voice on Twitter. We'd also like to thank our friend Rin for voicing the ads you hear on the show. You can find Rin on Twitter at Rin underscore Moran and on the Imprinted Echoes podcast as part of Ghostlight Media. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, please carve a pumpkin with the Ghostlight Media logo or the Pet Shop logo, and I swear to God, I'll love you forever. Okay, bye. Happy Halloween! <laughs> God, excuse me. Fuck. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.